0: Hello there, I'm Rob Manafield. welcome to F1 Everything Else, the science series of the podcast where I talk about F1 in a much more loose way compared to the numbered scripted episodes of the podcast, and as you can see from the title of this particular episode, this is quite a juicy topic. Now, the man of the moment is Lewis Hamilton. He's just wrapped up his sixth Formula One Drivers' Championship in spectacular style at the US Grand Prix with two races to spare, and I wanted to talk about him. Now, I covered Hamilton in more detail back in episode two of the podcast at the beginning of the podcast life in 2017, so there's some things featured in this episode which I haven't talked about since, but I wanted to talk about him, because people believe, I think, because I'm such a huge Ferrari fan, that I hate Lewis Hamilton. I wanted to clear this up. I wanted to talk about my feelings about the guy. Starting way back in when he debuted in 2007, and how I've gone from, you know, liking him not liking him to admiring him to this that and the other to having problems of his fan base well percentage of it anyway and all the rest of it it's covered all in this episode so sit back relax and let me tell you about my love-hate relationship with lewis hamilton <laughs> Now I covered Lewis Hamilton's story from his uh, youngster. So basically, he I got Lewis Hamilton got the full F1 everything treatment back in episode 2 of the podcast way back in like spring of 2017 and I told his story from the beginnings of his career right up until around April 2017 so from 17 uh, onwards really I haven't touched Lewis Hamilton's story and I kind of want to cover a little bit of that off in in this uh, in this discussion about Lewis Hamilton's uh, career But we're going to kind of go through bit by bit and I'm going to kind of give my own thoughts and feelings about the guy. I think there is a lot to dive into here. Obviously, the scripted episode back in episode two, that was just telling his story as opposed to really me just giving my thoughts and feelings about the guy. And this is more me saying, this is Lewis Hamilton's rise. This is how I felt about it. This is how good I think Lewis is and how he ranks against other of the all-time greats. So let's start... With him getting signed to McLaren for 2007. Now, I'm going to say, as I talked about in episode two. So basically, if you want the full story from episode, you know, the beginning of his career right through to 2017, go check out episode two of F1 Everything, based on Lewis Hamilton. But for the sake of this, in 2006, he won the GP2 Championship. He was the second ever GP2 champion behind Nico Rosberg. And he did it in style, I mean famously he won um, the sprint race at Silverstone on the Sunday morning of the British Grand Prix weekend overtaking two cars into the Maggotts and Becketts complex and then he dropped to the back of the field uh, during I think the feature race in Turkey at the Istanbul Park and he fought his way all the way back to second showing tremendous race craft you know, above his years. And that's when people in the Formula 1 paddock really started to take notice so he wins that championship and at this point mclaren they'd signed fernando alonso for 2007 and they needed a number two and they had a couple of options but they decided to go with their junior driver in lewis hamilton he was basically guaranteed a mclaren contract he was the youngest person to ever secure a formula one drive he was given it i think when he was 13 basically all but guaranteed himself a McLaren race seat in the future providing he you know did well and did well at school and things like this. So he gets signed for 2007 and he comes in. Now I remember there being a little bit of a question mark thinking so he's going up against at that point then a double world and you know still a double world champion in Fernando Alonso who was just coming off the back of beating Kimi Raikkonen and Michael Schumacher respectively for the 2005 and 2006 world championships. So how is Lewis Hamilton going to do? How well would he match up against, you know, arguably the finest driver in the world at the time in Fernando Alonso? How, how, surely this kid is not going to do, you know, all that great. Yes, he's fast. Yes, he's talented. Yes, he's got potential. But man, this kid's got one hell of a mountain to climb from day one. So he sticks the car on fourth on the grid. For his debut in Australia. This is after he'd had a massive shunt during uh testing at Valencia, you know, already, you know, I uh, guess uh raising questions as to whether he was going to be up for it. So he goes to Australia, puts the car fourth on the grid, and literally, in his first corner of his first Grand Prix, he goes from fourth to second, and he even overtook Fernando Alonso in his first corner. In his first race, and I remember people, including myself, being very, very impressed. He wasn't getting swallowed up by the pressure. He even took it to his then double world champion, finest driver in the world, teammate in Alonso, and uh, did the did a move on him in his very first race, into the very first corner of his very first race. He finished third in his debut, and I remember being very impressed. I remember just thinking you know, bear in mind, there's a lot of pressure on him. Britain hadn't had a world champion in a decade. And people were looking to someone, I mean, Jenson Button was clearly not going to win a world championship in, in a Honda. So they were looking to a guy going into a top team, he's young, he's new, and he's exciting. And he proved all of those things, literally in one corner on his first race. And I remember being very impressed, obviously, kind of, Put it to the back of my mind because Kimi Räikkönen won the Grand Prix in Australia and uh, Hamilton came third behind Alonso. But I remember that just being very, very impressive. I'm just going to let you know as well. I don't have any notes in front of me. This is literally just going off my memory, the whole thing. So if a few things are a little bit sort of, oh, he wasn't second, he was third or whatever, then forgive me. I'm going off my memory here. I'm just kind of just talking into a microphone. I'm not reading anything off a script. I haven't got any notes. Just going off my memory. So... If it's wrong, fractionally or whatever, then just forgive me for that. But then Lewis continues to impress. And I remember seeing on the news, Michael Schumacher, who had recently just retired, talking on the news in the British press, by the way, saying how impressed he was by Hamilton in the first few races of the season, how he's going to be a star, how well he was doing to start off a career. Rarely do drivers come in. And make such an impact so quickly and consistently. I mean, Lewis took consistent podiums from his first race in Australia right through to Silverstone. So from that stretch, he was getting podiums. He won a couple of races and it was just nothing but podiums, 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 podiums. It wasn't until the the um, German Grand Prix at uh, the Nürburgring that he didn't win, but he won consistently. Um sorry, he'd scored podiums consistently and won a couple of times in North America in his debut season. And it was the way that he was just truly able to get under Alonso's skin right from the beginning that set him apart from most debutants. He really made a name for himself very quickly. The people like the press and the and the people he, he really did just Give himself a great reputation and people bought into the story of Lewis Hamilton coming from very, you know, working class means to now suddenly being the hope of British Formula One fans for multiple generations, both young and old in in, in Britain and around the world. Let's not exclusively tie this to Britain. He and I remember being very much sort of on board with it. I remember being excited when you know we rock up to Silverstone, bear in mind I'm a huge Ferrari fan. Don't, don't get that wrong. But he took pole at Silverstone, for example. The crowd went ballistic, and even I couldn't be, you know, annoyed at it. It was incredible. I was fully on board in a way with the Hamilton hype train, and this is one of the few times I've ever expressed it. He was someone I was almost secretly rooting for. I was fully invested in the Hamilton debut you know he's having a remarkable season he's in the championship hunt like on merit as well not just because he's in the best car he was genuinely in this championship took pole position for his home race and i remember even just being very very impressed and almost happy like thinking this guy really does deserve it he didn't win the british grand prix Raikkonen won i was obviously delighted about that because he was at ferrari And you're going into the second half of the year. the, The relationship between himself and Alonso really starts to take a turn. And it became apparent that, whilst I said it a moment ago, but it really did become apparent in Hungary during qualifying, that Alonso really was kind of in sort of psychological trouble against Hamilton. Hamilton had really rattled him. So Hamilton in qualifying for the Hungarian Grand Prix was uh, in front of Alonso and, and he had been instructed to let Alonso through and Alonso, you know, he didn't let Alonso through and Fernando was mad about this and therefore did the stunt in the, uh, in the pit lane and held him up and prevented Lewis from having a second run. But I remember thinking that Alonso really had done the dirty on Hamilton and I was defending Hamilton for not letting Alonso through, and yeah, I feel really odd talking about this, because people who know me know that I'm not really being a Hamilton fan at all, over the last, you know, over the last decade, but I will be honest, during 2007, I was secretly rooting for him, I really wanted him to do well, naturally didn't want him to win the world championship, I mean, what kind of Ferrari fan would I have been, but I wanted him to do well. And even if that came with the expensive Ferrari from time to time, I was okay with it. So you go into the latter stages of the season, and Hamilton's leading the championship, and he goes to China, and he is very much in a position to win the world championship. And I remember not waking up for the start of the race, it was like, you know, I was a teenager, a sleepy teenager that needed sleep, and it was China, so obviously it was an early, early start, and this is before... Uh, formula one started their races later in the day to kind of be slightly more accommodating to a european audience um i wake up i turn the telly on and literally the first thing that i hear james allen saying on the commentary is and if you're just waking up back home got some bad news lewis hamilton is out of the chinese grand prix and i'm not gonna lie to you i was so conflicted because that was a great thing for ferrari kimmy was leading And he was now going to be back into the title hunt going into Brazil if he won the race. And and he did. But also, I was a part of me was like, but we're not going to see that story. We're not going to see that story end. We're not going to see Lewis go on to become the first rookie to win a World Championship. And he deserved it. He'd driven his nuts off in Japan in pouring rain. And I thought, this guy deserves this. He deserves the accolade of being, you know, a rookie to win a World Championship. He deserves all the, you know... Stardom that would come from that, and by that point, Lewis was already becoming a massive star in in Britain and also around the world. Very popular, people were fully invested in the Hamilton story, the the dream coming true and becoming an F one driver, but not just being an F one driver, being at the very front. But he hadn't wrapped it up, and he had the mathematical chance to do so. And I remember being almost a bit gutted. God, this feels weird. I did I did I was very conflicted whilst I was a big big Ferrari fan I think it was just after Michael had retired and I remember thinking I I knew I was a Ferrari fan but I was always a Michael fan first of all and now Michael was no longer racing I needed to find someone else and it became apparent that my love was for Ferrari as a team not just for one driver so Lewis comes along there's, a, there's an air of success. It was always quite nice supporting a team, and a, or a driver, sorry, who was doing well. And obviously the story of Lewis coming in and doing as well as he did. And I was so impressed by that, that I remember almost considering becoming a Hamilton fan. But then I realised that I, cu- I wasn't going to become one, because Raikkonen won the World Championship in Brazil. And I wasn't sad about Hamilton losing. I just wanted Raikkonen to win for Ferrari. It could have been Massa winning. And the next year, Massa was the one fighting for the championship. And I felt the exact same way. And that was kind of when I knew that I wasn't going to be a Hamilton fan. But Lewis came second. One point off the championship. Tied on points with Alonso, but Hamilton had more wins. Therefore, he finished second. And I remember, even though I was relieved that Raikkonen won the championship for Ferrari, I remember being super impressed with how Lewis handled the loss. And... Well, with the fact that he was even in that position to start with. I mean, it was just... I mean... Spectacular. Incredibly impressive. And... I can't help but feel that he really... Deserved it. You know. But he, he didn't. And Raikkonen definitely deserved it come the end. He was 17 points behind with two races to go. And yeah it was just yeah a bit of a mixed bag 2007 I I found where my loyalties lied throughout the 2007 championship and then you go into 2008 and I kind of started to I mean I'm just going to be honest with you guys I was a little bit of a Hamilton hater I was a hater for several years not not happy about it but you know I was a Teenager, I was like 16, 17. I, I, I hated Hamilton. I didn't like who he was becoming. And that was slowly built up through 2008. I mean, I was at Silverstone when he won in the wet, and that was just spectacular. But um I just found it really difficult to like him anymore. I thought he's someone who was really likeable in his first season. He was very humble. He was very appreciative of the fact he was there. And now you could suddenly see. The cockiness coming out in him, and I remember the moment which really stuck with me. That I think it was the moment that, in my head, it was my my turning point. Was Hungary? Uh, Massa overtakes Hamilton into turn uh, turn one round the outside, um, and Massa goes off to lead the race for most of it before his car broke down just before the end. And there was an interview that Hamilton did right before the Belgian Grand Prix next time out, and he said basically dismissing masses overtaken away by saying I rarely get overtaken running outside almost saying well it rarely happens so you know almost don't think about the fact that it happened to me because it rarely happens but it happened but don't think about it because it rarely happens and I almost felt like I said he was like he was being dismissive of the fact that he got overtaken and then the hilarious thing was that Raikkonen overtook him running outside at Spa on the opening lap technically I mean it was you know on the run up to lecom but it was it was an outside overtake. One-handed, I think, from from my memory as well, he was adjusting something in the car. And I remember thinking that was hilarious and almost like egg on Hamilton's face. And then at the end of that race, there was the controversy where Hamilton and Raikkonen, you know, had their battle near the end and Hamilton cut the bus stop chicane and then let Raikkonen back through. And, and um, yeah, then he... Uh, overtook him straight away, and then got penalised post-race, and he he lost his win, and yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely, well, I gave Hamilton shit, this is back on the Bebo days, do you remember Bebo, man, you might even be too young for Bebo if you listen to this, you might remember Bebo, um, but I remember being full-on, like, he deserved it. He gained an advantage, etc. I mean, looking back on it, I mean, Hamilton, he gave the place back. And then he caught and napping into, uh, into La Source. I mean, fair enough. I think it was perfectly fine. But I remember thinking, yeah, no, he, he cut the chicane. Doesn't matter if he gave it back. He, he still cut the chicane. So he had more momentum coming out of the corner. But, uh, I look back on my thoughts about that particular incident and um, just being a little bit embarrassed by how much of a hater I was when I was younger. And it carried on for several years. And this was one of these instances where I would hate on Hamilton for the overtake and then his attitude off track. And I wasn't a huge fan of his fan base at the time. And there's a percentage of which I'm still not a fan of now. But... You know, it was just what it was. It just was what what it was. And then when he lost the championship, I mean, when Massa lost the championship, I remember being devastated. Devastated. But I also remember being angry that Hamilton won it. I couldn't remember which outweighed the other. Upset that Ferrari had lost the championship or anger that Hamilton had won it. And that's just kind of how it stayed for for several years. Just not being bothered whenever Hamilton did well. And almost being a little bit annoyed by it. Because I just found something rubbed me up the wrong way about him. I think it also wasn't helped by the whole lying scandal at the beginning of 2009. And people were very quick to be sympathetic to him. And I remember thinking he doesn't deserve any sympathy for lying. Even though he was told to by his team or a team member. As opposed to a whole team. And I remember just thinking the whole situation was dodgy. And Hamilton should have had the book thrown at him. And I remember he was in a press conference prior to the second race in 2009 in Malaysia. And he was very much like giving this grovelling apology. And I didn't buy it for a second. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't really have an opinion on it now. But at the time, I remember thinking, I just don't really believe what he's saying to be honest and this is kind of part of that love hate relationship I've, I've had with hamilton in that even though i didn't like him that much and i thought for example that he deserved to get in trouble for that situation you know he was in a horrible car and he still came from like the back of the field to like on track at least, score a podium in Australia. And I was, I remember admiring the fact that he did that, but also hating the fact that he did that. And then finding out that he'd basically lied to the stewards after the race to, to gate retain, you know, retain the position, you know, truly should have been on that podium, but Hamilton got on it. There was all that situation with the overtake under the safety car. And then he was, he lied after the, after the race to, to you know, to the stewards. And I remember thinking that was really not on and people were very quick to forgive and move on. But, you know, over the years, I think those same people that are quick to forgive and move on about Hamilton's, what he says and does, etc. will then look at other people like Verstappen and Vettel over the years and Alonso and they're less forgiving, which I think is slightly hypocritical. But that's that's just the way it is. So Hamilton is in 2009. He's got a pretty bad car. Um, for the first half of the year it's arguably the only time he's ever been in a bad car and he had mixed results in it because I remember he qualified like 19th for the British Grand Prix for example and bear in mind he'd won the race in spectacular fashion the year before to only qualify in like the back of the grid like 19th was quite shocking actually but also slightly satisfying because like I said, at this point, I just didn't like him. I was a quote unquote hater, and I, I look back on it. I don't like the fact that I was like that, and that was my thought process. I was very stubbornly Ferrari, and to be fair, the irony of giving Hamilton grief for a poor performance or performances for the early part of two thousand nine is is hilarious because Ferrari was also poor that year. But you know, I was only eighteen. Leave me be, and then. The car comes good. He, he wins a few races. Come the end of the year, and you go into twenty ten. The McLaren looks good. He's now up alongside world champion Jenson Button. Alonso's at Ferrari. Michael Schumacher's back, and it's like, wow, here we go. The rebels are in business. Hamilton's now really got his you know his money's you know he's got his, he's got to put his money where his mouth is. And McLaren built a good car. He won a few races. He wasn't really ever truly, truly a championship challenge. It was mostly between Weber, Vettel and uh, Alonso, with Hamilton kind of slightly bringing up the rear. So therefore, I remember not really being all that for my thoughts weren't really all that much like. Encompassing Hamilton and, and what he was doing It was more about Red Bull and Alonso. So 2011, I think, was the season where I really took a downward turn in terms of my thoughts about Hamilton. I thought, actually, it was his worst season that he's ever had in his entire career. In a good car, Button comes second in the championship. And Button, over the course of a season, makes Hamilton look a little bit average, if I'm honest. And seeing Lewis make silly mistakes, like, you know... Lots of squabbles with, with Massa, for example, and when he and he completely closed the door on a Sauber, I think it even might be like Kobayashi at Spa going up to Le Carve, and he has a huge shunt at the top of the hill, and it was all down to him, and we were seeing cracks start to appear in the armour of Lewis Hamilton and, and, and the persona that he had, that he was very much the best on the grid, even though at that point I would very much argue that he was flawed. Uh, And that's one thing that Lewis has done fantastically over the last few years is evolve and he has evolved to a point where he's the best driver in Formula One bar none now. But in 2011 I remember thinking you are very fast, you're brilliant over one lap, you're lightning quick over one lap. On your day you are untouchable but those days are very rare. And that was proven by the fact that Button made him look silly and only... One of two times that Hamilton's been beaten by a teammate in a driver's championship was in 2011. And that's mostly down to Hamilton's driving. He was getting involved, like I said, with way too many squabbles. Unnecessary squabbles. But because I was not a fan, I found it all quite satisfying. And that's just me being honest. And that's kind of going with that love-hate. Because, uh... How do I describe it? I like seeing him suffer. Not suffer. That's definitely not the word I'm looking for. I like seeing him struggle. Because I almost didn't mind being impressed when he did well. And showed who he really was. But in 2011 they were few and far between. It was mostly um, just um, difficulties. And he looked average. For the most part of the season, I think, with plenty of silly mistakes that he ended up ironing out from that point I mean, I always think every driver needs a bad season, and two thousand eleven was Lewis's worst season by far, moving on to twenty twelve i mean the the pecking order i mean and the um the competition is so strong that it's almost like Hamilton just blends in with the rest of the front runners. he's neither doing great nor is he doing bad it's kind of like a mixture you just sort of slots in i mean there were seven winners from the first seven races i think seven i think there were seven which is absolutely unprecedented and hamilton won one of those races and please don't ask me to name which one i cannot remember but he definitely won one of the opening rounds and he was in the championship challenge He arguably could have won the championship in 2012 but the McLaren's reliability was a little bit sketchy and he was I think it was Singapore I think where he was leading and the car broke down or he was at least fighting for the win and the car broke down he walked away from that by which point he'd already signed for Mercedes for 2013 and that was when his championship went up. Because Vettel won the race. Alonso was still leading the championship. Or at least was in the fight for it anyway. And I think he was still winning the championship, Alonso. But anyway, Hamilton's championship ended in Singapore. He'd already signed for Mercedes. And you know what? This was almost a turning point for me in terms of my sort of dislike of Hamilton. True, just outright don't like him. Don't really care when he does well. When he does well and it's, you know, of a certain level of skill and, you know, speed, etc. Then, yeah, I am impressed, but I'm not bothered. Like, I don't care. I hope he doesn't do well. That kind of ended for me after he signed for Mercedes. I respected the move. I saw the similarities between... My, him moving to Mercedes and Michael moving from Benetton to Ferrari. I mean, the Mercedes in 2012 was pretty bad. Yeah, Rosberger won a race and Michael Schumacher had scored a podium and, you know, took a pole position in Monaco, which obviously didn't count in the end. But at the end of the day, he. He was moving to a team which were really, really struggling. And you could say it was for the money, and I'm sure the massive uh, cheque he was getting and the money in the bank account was certainly a contributing factor to him signing, but he wanted to do something different. He wanted a new challenge. And I respect that hugely. And I did at the time. I was like, fair play. But there was also, and I've got to be honest, a slight part of me that thought. Well, at least it means he's not going to win a world championship for a while, because he's going to a team which are really struggling, and that ended up being the complete opposite in the long run. In the short run, yes, but in the long run, not not the case whatsoever. So he leaves McLaren, and I remember thinking it's going to take a while to get used to Hamilton at Mercedes, and that twenty thirteen season was strange because I don't really think Lewis was all that great. I mean Rosberg won more races than him I think from memory. I think Rosberg won at least two races and Hamilton won in Hungary but then Vettel won on like a nine race win streak after Hungary. That's right. So Rosberg won in Monaco and at Silverstone Hamilton won in Hungary and then Vettel won on between Spa and, um, and Brazil went on a nine race win streak. So Rosberg actually in terms of race wins did better than Lewis but lewis ended up you know having more individual great moments in a way you know outperforming the car on you know a frequent basis and it was clear that something was up mercedes's sleeves um heading into the new regulations and the v6 hybrid era and i remember thinking i think lewis really is in for a a shot at the championship in the next year or two and turns out it would be all mercedes in 2014 and that's the way it was for a good three years and lewis stepped up for the first time for you know well actually really the first time in his entire career he had the dominant car and it was him and rosberg It was only the first time since his championship you know near championship winning season in 2007 that he had a true battle for the championship with a teammate and obviously that turned incredibly sour but i always remember thinking that rosberg was the one that whose actions and behavior and and um you know what he was saying in the press and how he was acting on track you know those were the really negative parts of that dynamic of hamilton and rosberg for the championship and i remember hamilton all in all being just more of the likable personality between the two he just got his head down and he ended up winning finally after six years he wins his second championship it's more than deserved he beats rosberg clean fair and square and there was a couple of instances where rosberg I think, did the dirty, which I think ended up helping my sort of negative mindset about Hamilton and and what he was doing kind of slowly start to subside. Um, By this point, I don't think things were all that toxic on social media, and I think that is definitely a part as to why my thoughts about Hamilton over the years have been so negative at times, is the more vocal minority of his fan base can be pretty vile on social media and that's the same for all the top drivers in this day and age especially but i remember only really interacting with the hamilton fans so you know that definitely didn't help but i remember 2014 being very much kind of like a turning point for me and i never really not turned back that way 2015 Hamilton does a spectacular job to win the World Championship with uh, three races to spare. There's no point in 2015 where I'm thinking, for God's sake, I don't ever remember Lewis saying something. I always remember just thinking out of the two between Rosberg and, and Hamilton, that Hamilton came across as a lot more likeable. He was more complete. Rosberg, you know, was out of the two. From in my mind anyway and obviously this is depending on who you on your thought process on the two drivers and how you feel about them i always remember alonso kind of being the antagonist and hamilton was the AE protagonist and seeing hamilton win us uh, you know his third world championship in 2015 i remember being just not that bothered about it but also not being upset about it i was like he deserved it I think if anyone wraps a championship up with three races to spare against your own teammate, yeah, that's fair enough. And I don't remember the uh, the Mercedes being all that unreliable. I mean, the 2014 Mercedes was quite unreliable as they were getting used to the new technology. But 2015, I think the car was really, really solid and Hamilton just did a better job and you have to respect that. And it stopped my thoughts of, I just don't like him. I now really started to appreciate Hamilton, the driver, and I've never stopped that since, even though there's been moments I've wanted to pull my own hair out from some of the things he's said or the way he's acted after a race or if things don't go his way. But, you know, that's life and they're all, and he's human, you know. <laughs> Ah, fantastic testimonies Thanks guys Absolutely genuine and real (laughs) And if you want to give a genuine testimony as well Go ahead and search for IMDB Journey You can find us on all your favourite podcast sites Including iTunes, Stitcher and Spotify So come along and join our journey From the sports talk garage network studio in chicago comes an exciting new formula one podcast with a unique perspective introducing the outlap f1 podcast where we give you an american take on all things formula one while we might be divided by our rival support of ferrari red and mercedes blue we are united by our love of formula one from the past and the present listen in for race reviews previews news and a guarantee if you last along the way we're available on all major podcasting apps so hit that subscribe button now be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at F one podcast or on our website at www.OutlapF1.com. 2016. This was kind of where my um, negative thoughts about his fan base, that the very small minority that are just highly vocal and very toxic and will give grief to anyone and anybody who... Um, doesn't support Hamilton and is vocal about it. I mean, I've been a Ferrari fan throughout this whole period, so therefore my my primary support obviously always was with Ferrari and their drivers and in twenty sixteen that wasn't that didn't change, but I always remember Rosberg just was better in two thousand sixteen in my opinion, I think he was just stronger aside from a dip in the middle of the season where Hamilton very much brought himself back into the championship. I remember Rosberg just being more consistent and that ended up being the main reason why he won the World Championship. I mean, you can say all you want about the the retirement in Malaysia, etc. that Hamilton had where the engine blew and then he all but accused his team of sabotaging his car and favouring Rosberg. And I remember rolling my eyes so hard at that. That frustrated me. I was like, just when I thought you were starting to be likeable, you say that your team is sabotaging a car. I ain't verbatim word for word what he said, but that is what he implied. And I remember just rolling my eyes at him, like, for God's sake. Of course they're not. And some people bought it. Some people believed what he said. Some people said, well, clearly this German team doesn't want this British driver to win. It's all about German favouritism. It's like, well, forget about the two championships that Hamilton won. Abu Dhabi 2014, Rosberg's in the championship hunt. Just so happens the German car breaks down on the German driver. If they really were favouring Hamilton, there would be a big red button that Toto Wolf presses that says German winner, that, no, the Brit can retire because we don't like the Brits. That ain't the case and it never was and it never will be. You're mad if you think that's the case. People were genuinely going, yo, yeah, well, Mercedes don't want him to win. You are literally, you need psychiatric help. If you genuinely thought Mercedes were favouring Rosberg. Get out. Get in the bin. That felt like a rant. I feel like I'm ranting a lot on these um, talk discussions these days. But Rosberg won the World Championship in 2016. And I think he fully deserved it. And he came across really well. Both in his victory. And then in his retirement. He, he said, I'm done. I don't need to do this anymore. I've, I've achieved what I wanted to achieve. I, I can walk away. And I always respected that. And Hamilton, I thought, came across, in defeat to Rosberg, a little bit bitter, um, but, you know, I guess you you go to someone after they'd just lost the World Championship. And, I mean, also, before we get to that, Hamilton's behaviour during the 2016 Abu Dhabi Grand Prix was questionable. His team had giving him an instruction, he just outright blatantly ignored it, and... Um, yeah as much as you know i think they were wrong to give him the order we're now very much happy to give bet grief for example for ignoring team orders in russia in 2019 um but you know people were fine with hamilton ignoring an order uh in 2016 in abu dhabi yes totally different circumstance they're fighting for a championship but an order's an order you can't have it both ways if the situation isn't right for the order and they still give it and the driver defies it because straight up they know it's not right. You can't be like, it's fine for Hamilton but not for Vettel in this situation. I know, totally different circumstances, but you can't conveniently have different um, sort of mindsets about ignoring and abiding by team orders when it suits you. You've got it one way or the other. So... Hamilton now goes into 2017 and for the first time in a decade nearly he's solely fighting a Ferrari driver for a world championship and this is where that toxic relationship of youth you will between Hamilton and Vettel fans and Mercedes and Ferrari fans really started and I hate the way social media has become. It's become literally, it's up there with football as being possibly the most toxic online environment there is. It may even be worse. And the fact that I feel that is down to the fact that Formula One is not football. It's where, you know, these gentlemen and ladies in motor racing risk their lives every time they race. And here we are. On social media from the safety of our smartphones and I've covered this in the social media episode of f1 everything else I've said like We shouldn't be saying things like oh, I really hope this driver crashes because I mean Look at what's happened this year with you know, Antoine Hubert He crashed and he passed away I'm not saying anyone wished him to crash, but we shouldn't wish anyone to crash because even in 2019 you can still crash a monday single seater formula car and die in it and you know i think in this day and age it's so easy to say horrible things on social media with no consequence and like i said this is this is something i've all covered before but in 2017 when hamilton and vettel were fighting each other i remember thinking that this is you know, becoming the norm now, and that's not Hamilton's fault. But that's certainly, I I blame a percentage of Hamilton's toxic fan base. It's a small percentage, but you're out there, and if you're the kind of person that does say horrible things about other drivers that aren't the person you support, then you should be ashamed of yourself. If that, even if you're a Hamilton fan, Vettel fan, Verstappen, Ricardo, whatever, doesn't matter. No need for it, but because Ferrari and Mercedes were so caught up in a championship fight, I was just very much just pro Ferrari. And whilst I wasn't, you know, being anti-Hamilton, and well, for example, at Silverstone when I went to the British Grand Prix, I was literally the first person stood up in the grandstand applauding him as he came round. You know, he came around to win the British Grand Prix. That Hamilton, I was just massively impressed with how well he had controlled the race. I was the first one up in the grandstand applauding it whilst the hamilton fans were booing vettel i mean there you go that's all you got that's all you gotta know um and therefore I, you know if a driver's fan base are being so negative and i've had that experience of negativity and you know some do try to spit on me for being a ferrari fan he was a mercedes fan hamilton fan and you know that definitely didn't help that sort of i i was almost sick of hamilton Predominantly through the, the the nasty, toxic percentage of his fan base, And I'm sure they feel the same about Vettel fans and all the rest of it. But it didn't help my perception and my thoughts about Hamilton. But when he won his championship, yes, I was upset because Vettel didn't for Ferrari. But I was impressed. How can you not be? He won the championship with two races to spare. And I always feel like, really, if you win a world championship, you deserve it. And regardless of what's happened since... You deserve a championship if you win it. The only person I might put that asterisk next to is Villeneuve. But Jack Villeneuve, never mind. (laughs) So 2018 was much of the same. And again, I think Hamilton didn't help himself by saying things like, I've gone to the snake pit that is Monza. It's like, get out. Silverstone is literally just as bad for the exact same thing, but in the opposite way. And you are kidding yourself if you think the Tafosi the are horrendous, but the Hamilton fans at Silverstone are, in, you know, innocent angels. There's there's not. There's a percentage of, this, of the people at Silverstone who are horribly toxic. And apparently that was the case this year as well, in 2019. But I wasn't there. I went to Singapore. Had a lovely time. Everyone was amazing. Why can't more fans... Why can't all races be like the Singapore GP crowd? Don't be like the Silverstone or the Italian crowd. Be like the Singapore crowd, where everyone's just jolly, having a great time. Watching the race and no grief. Why can't we be like that? Why can't it be like crowdsman before? But again, Hamilton won his fifth world championship. He beats Vettel. on well, Vettel almost beats himself. That sounds like uh, uh <laughs> sounds sounds dodged, doesn't it? Beats himself. If you've got a dirty mind, that that is a dodgy sentence. But he he does kind of beat himself. Spins a lot. I named it as my like. What the fuck moment of 2018 was Vettel's just many, 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 many spins. And Hamilton won the championship. And I remember, again, being upset that Vettel didn't, but also admiring the fact that Hamilton did. I've reached that point now where I can't be a Hamilton fan because I'm such a Ferrari fan. I don't always agree with what Hamilton says and does. And obviously, there's an issue with him about potentially being a bit of a tax dodger. Um, I mean, I don't mind his comments about the environment. People then gave him grief about that because he's a Formula One driver. I, I think it got blown massively out of proportion. And the thing about his relative wearing a dress that blew up in the press around Christmas a couple of years ago. You know, whilst he is in a position where what he says and does on his social media platforms is going out to millions of people and he did kind of embarrass his relative end of the day i knew what he was saying i think we all did but it got blown out of proportion and that's kind of how it will always be for hamilton and i do feel sorry for him in that regard but 2019 i tell you something i massively respect the guy for winning six world championships and we've reached that point now where i'm gonna try and see where i rank hamilton in amongst the other greats of Formula 1. And this is going to be tough. Because I'm slightly biased. I'm the biggest Michael Schumacher fan in the world. So a part me doesn't want to rank him above Michael. And right now I don't genuinely think. I can rank him above Michael. For the sole reason. That Michael has 7 world championships. And more race wins at the moment than Lewis. Lewis has 6 world championships. Michael has 7. Hamilton's around on 84 wins roughly. 83, 84, something like that. Maybe more. And Michael, what, 91 wins? So statistically, Michael was definitely better at the moment. But there's a couple of things you need to consider with Lewis. I said it earlier. It was the only time in his career he's had a bad car. Objectively, a bad car. Was the first half of 2009. And since then, he's had good cars, great cars or outright monsters that have dominated proceedings and he hasn't had to fight his way up from the back we've never seen him really struggle in a car that was really poor and the only time we did was in 2009 and immediately he drove the nuts off the thing but he also then would qualify in 19 for his home race a track he was brilliant at and should do much better at so that one time he had a bad car It was a proper mixed bag. So there will always be. A slight asterisk. Next to his name. For me. Because he was gifted. Top machinery. And he hasn't had to go through. You know true struggles. I mean 2013 maybe. But look at what that became. In a very short space of time. He didn't build Mercedes up to be a championship winning team like say Michael Schumacher did for example he went to Mercedes spent a year I suspect knew of their plans and then won the championship in his second year at the team and then has won four more titles since then and deserves each and every one of those titles but I would like to have seen Hamilton do the same route through the sport as a Sebastian Vettel, starting in the Toro Rosso. I mean, Vettel won a race in a Toro Rosso! Would Hamilton have won a race in a Toro Rosso? It's a good question. Yes, Vettel won in very particular circumstances, but they were difficult circumstances. And he didn't just inherit a win like Kovalainen did in the McLaren in 2008 in Hungary. You know, Vettel won from pole position in bad conditions and did it in style. And you ask me, would Lewis Hamilton have won a race in a Toro Rosso in the first season or so of his career? I don't know. I really don't. And this isn't me saying that I think Vettel is better than Hamilton or even was better than Hamilton. But we'll never know what Hamilton would have done. In a lower to midfield team. So for me, that will always be something that I guess I slightly hold against Hamilton. But I said it earlier, and I'll kind of go into more of it now. No driver I've ever seen has evolved so positively as a driver and as a person, actually, than Hamilton over the course of a career. He started literally you know he was fast as all hell but he wasn't particularly great at saving tires and that is important and he he ironed out that to the point now where he literally like in Mexico made a set of tires last like 50 laps nearly i mean hamilton 10 years ago couldn't do that and that's the sign of a driver who has evolved he was very much all about the there and then As opposed to what's going to happen in 20-30 laps time. And there's no driver, I think, who has evolved their style to cope with the conditions that they're in. And to utilise the equipment he has more than Hamilton. I mean, that's one of the things I truly admire. And also, the fact that there is no driver better over one lap than Hamilton. Even better than Senna. Even better than Schumacher. Hamilton over one lap is electrifying and no matter what the situation no matter what you know the conditions Hamilton has always got to be a favorite for pole position because there's been times where he has taken pole for races where he absolutely shouldn't have been anywhere near pole position I mean the case in point for me was Singapore 2018 Red Bull and Ferrari were very much the favourites and Mercedes were lounging in third, in terms of the pecking order that weekend. Hamilton pops up with the lap of a lifetime. And I remember being so impressed. So impressed. So it's these things where I mentioned in the title of this episode my love-hate relationship with Hamilton. I didn't like him for a Good period of time. I admire him, and I think F one will be a much sadder place without him when he does pack it in and retire. I really do, and the idea of it, to be honest, fills me with sadness. Also, slight hope that someone else is going to get a chance actually in the future. You know what? That's a good thing, because he. It's difficult, the idea of Formula 1 being without Hamilton, because he's so marketable. He's such, I guess, like a poster boy of the sport. I mean, he's a good-looking guy. He's fast as hell. He's very marketable. He's got brands, you know, clothing brands and food brands and things. He is able to do all the own you know, the things he wants to do in his own private life, but he still t- rocks up at a race weekend and is faster than anybody and win as you know wins frequently. Six world championships—that's unbelievable, man. Six. Michael won seven, and I never thought anyone would ever get close. And if Hamilton had had some luck, he could have been a nine-time champion, even a. No. Like, yeah. Oh, nine. So two thousand seven. 2010, 2012, 2016, actually more, 10. He could be a 10-time champion. If he'd won the championship in 2007, if his car hadn't let him down in Brazil and for had gone off in the pit lane in China, if he'd just been a bit more competitive in 2010, if the car had been more reliable in 2012, if the car had been more reliable in 2012 and if Rosberg hadn't been so damn consistent, We could be looking at a 10-time champion, and that is incredible. And I know I've been talking for nearly an hour, but I hope I've kind of given an insight into my sort of love-hate relationship about Hamilton throughout the years. And cleared up a few things. I think people kind of assume I'm just a hater. Admittedly, I used to be. And I'm not his biggest fan, because I'm such a Ferrari fan that such a big ferrari fan that i can't be but i admire hamilton as much as anybody who has ever raced in f1 and i have no problem admitting that he's the best driver of his generation and we absolutely should enjoy watching him race whilst he's still doing so thank you for listening to this episode of f1 everything else and uh, my thoughts about lewis hamilton my love hate relationship with the guy of course the uh, length of his career i hope you've enjoyed it and it's given you an insight about how i felt about him uh you know like i said not his biggest fan but i admire him greatly Be sure to follow the show on social media. So search for F1 Everything Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I recently cracked 1,000 Twitter followers. Thank you very much to all of you who have followed. Much appreciated. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, all good podcast apps. Leave a rating and a review. And also go and check out the Michael Schumacher Podcast. Also, again, on social media. So search for the Michael Schumacher Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. SoundCloud and Spotify. Thanks for listening. I'm Rob Manafield, and I will see you around the next corner.